on Facebook this morning. And I, so my plan is, if everything works well, we're, we're not the best producers, but these, these two folks are doing a tremendous job, is to continue to do that. Is, is next Sunday morning, I'm putting it up there about 8 o'clock, and uh, there's a number of people following it, watching it, and, uh, uh, and I'm seeing new people come in even this morning to, uh, to view it. So that's why we're doing this. Uh, Are you good? All righty. I'm ready. So with that said, also on Facebook, I put up usually every Saturday what I call nuggets of revelation. And I actually many times sit before the Lord and spend quite amount of time putting these out there. So they're, they're uh, I believe, spoken out of the Spirit of God. And, and the Lord has kind of moved my heart of what we've been teaching for the last few, uh, two or three months. And we may continue that this afternoon. We'll see on the Zoom meeting. But for this morning, we're, we're going to mo most likely move into what's similar to what I put on Facebook. And so I'm going to read you the last two. So, they, so, the, so in, I called them the church which is his body, one and two. In John 1, 16, the Bible says, And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I love the book of John. John brings a heavenly view of Christ. This passage is incredible. Of his fullness we have received. Listen to those simple words. As we seek to understand grace, I believe it can be found in those simple words. We have received of him. We have received of his fullness. This is grace. I did not earn His fullness. I received it through Christ. Ephesians 2 says we are saved by grace. It is the gift of God. Jesus Christ was given of God, John 3, 16. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, Isaiah 9, 6. Jesus was given of God that I might know Him and grow up into Him. In all things. If Christians would simply stop and start right here. We through new birth have been given what is in Christ. In our old birth we were given what was in Adam. Through new birth by the Spirit of God we are brought into what is in Christ. This is where we start in Christ. And this is where we are finished in Christ. We never grow up over our head. We grow up into Him. The problem is, the problem in the church is many do not have this simple understanding in their hearts. Many are not looking to grow up into Him in all things. Most believers' expectation is not to come to the fullness of God in Christ, but to come to some special day, to some special body, or some special happening. I am not telling you those things are not real. However, they are in Christ where we are now. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians 12 that now we are the body of Christ and members in particular. We were not the body of Christ in the old man. We were the body of the old man or his embodiment in the earth. Now being united with Christ in his death, buried with him in his burial, and raised with Him in His resurrection, we are His body. This is a new body. In Christ, we are to become the embodiment of Him in the earth. What does it mean, the church which is His body, the fullness of Him, Ephesians 1? It means we belong to Him. And as His body are to be His expression in the earth. Our life is not our own. It is His life within us. 
And we are made one with Him to be His expression. In our natural birth, we were by nature the expression of Adam or the natural man. We have been born again by the seed of God to express what God is in the world. This, in simplicity, is the Christian life. It is a people who are now members of Christ Jesus, the Lord, to give Him expression. We are not to be the expression of Pentecostal holiness, Baptist, or any other name we may call ourselves. We are to be the expression of Christ. Paul never told us to label ourselves and separate one another through our doctrines. Paul said that we might know Him and bear the marks of His dying in our mortal flesh, that His life might be manifest in our mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians 4.10 This is the church, His body, His expression. When we bear the marks of His dying and manifest His life from out of our bodies. Glory to God. May we know the fullness of Him. That was last week's. I, I, I will move on, and I was going to read them both, but I will move on. If you want to read these, they are on Facebook, and uh, I'll probably bring them to you next week and hand out. I put a lot of time in it. I don't just write something and throw it up on Facebook. And... and uh, from that, you know, it takes about four minutes to read it. Most people with Facebook posts, they want something that's, well, takes two seconds or three seconds to read it. So, so I see a pattern of people that come in and, and read this. And a brother contacted me this week from it because, because it evidently dealt with his heart. And I really sit to hear the Spirit of God. Everything I, I write or say, I honestly want to say to you out of the Spirit of God. If I mess up, I want the Spirit of God to correct me. That's where, that's where I walk with the Lord. I do not try to preach a doctrine. I don't have a set of ideas that I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you from God, from Christ, who dwells within me. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He did not speak out of a teaching. He, In fact, he said in one place, he said, I didn't even go up to the apostles before me. So he was not taught a specific idea of Christianity. And most of us start off there. Most of us start off with a particular idea, whether it's Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, you can name all the names. And we start off in that idea, and sometimes we don't want to move out of that idea. And it's, and it's hard to move. I'll tell you from my own personal experience. When I moved out of what I was raised in, it was hard. I had a lot of questions with God. A lot. I spent a lot of time, you know, for years in fact. When God began to show me the revelation of Christ, I spent a lot of time in prayer because I knew it was contrary to much of what's called Christianity. And I came as sincere as I knew how because the, the thing I've never wanted to do is deceive anyone. I do not want to teach you something that would deceive you. What I want to do as a minister is edify you, build you up, that you walk in a deeper, greater relationship with the Lord. And I ask you to take the words I, I say and search them. Search them out with the Spirit of God. Sit before the Spirit of God. Ask God. And if God reveals something to you, walk in it. That's a requirement of the Lord. If you want to continue to flow in God, when God reveals, and, I, and I've said this 
I feel like too many times, but it gets brought before me. And I, I'll never forget it as I was driving to Tazewell, Virginia, and I was pastoring a short time in a small church years ago. And the Lord sat before me and He said, Jesus. And, and you all probably heard it and said, Brother Wayne, I've heard you say this a thousand times. Well, you're going to hear it a thousand one. He said that to me, Jesus. And when He said that to me, it rose up in my heart. Will you continue in what I'm showing you? Or will you go back? And I said to the Lord, Lord, I have nowhere else to go. That's what I told him. You have the words of eternal life. I have nowhere else to go. I've, I've made my decision. I won't go back. And in the natural realm, it probably cost me natural relationships, respect, honor of men, maybe even a large church at that time. But I said to the Lord, I'd said to the Lord before that, if you will show me the truth, Father, I will walk in it. I had a brother prophesy to me, and now he, he, he probably didn't even believe in prophecy like Brother Stanley and I have through the years, but he told me, he said, God's going to show you the truth. And when he began to reveal what he began to reveal, this same brother didn't... Receive it. And the reason, and he was a beautiful brother. I, I, I mean a beautiful man. I had a beautiful relationship with him. But he didn't receive it because most likely he was caught in this teaching he was under. And he was a brother in the Lord. He'd been born again. He had been filled with the Spirit. So I'm not downgrading the brother. A, a tremendous brother and tremendous friend in my life at that time. The, the catch is, will I follow what God shows me? And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, when you follow what God shows you, there's a cost associated with it. It's going to cost you. I'll be straight up with you. It is going to cost you. But the gain you're going to receive is going to exceed anything you've ever imagined. I, I understand to a measure why Peter called it glory, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I understand it to a measure. Maybe not to what the Apostle Peter understood it. But I understand the Christ life to a measure. Because God has worked that into my heart. And so for a measure of Him, I want to sell myself to Him. That He lives in me. And that He lives in you. That is my heart to you. That is my desire for you. And my prayers for you. That Christ be revealed in you. Glory to God. In John's Gospel where we where I started off there earlier, John chapter 1. The Bible says, John 1 verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, or have all received, and grace for grace. 
For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared Him. So I want us to stop here. And as we look at this verse of Scripture, in particular, of His fullness have we received. I want you to look at that and ask, do you understand His fullness? Because this is what John said you've received of His fullness. Now right above that, he said He was full of what? What does the Apostle John say Jesus was full of? Grace and truth. So Jesus was full of grace and truth, and then John says, of His fullness, you have received grace for grace. Now, I want to emphasize that He gave us the power, the King James says the power, it's actually the word power there is authority to become sons of God, and the word son there, if you look it up, and I'll challenge you to look up by the Strong's Concordance. The Strong's Concordance has a numbered system of the words used in the Bible. And the, and the word there is actually child. And there's a, there's a reason I bring that to you. You don't enter the relationship with God as a son. You enter as a child. You are born a child. A lot of what people are looking for in the sweet by and by is what actually Paul is talking about growing up into the knowledge of the Son. And that's where a lot of confusion's at in the Bible. Because the Apostle Paul is dealing with the process in, in his epistles that you start your walk as a child. Just like in the natural, a child is born. He is. He's born in the earth of his child. And as a child, when a child is born, it's like, like Jesus said in Matthew uh, 18. He told them, he said, and I've got it here, so I'm going to just read it to you. But we're going to stay with this text in John. He said, truly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, I can look at that, and the one who humbled himself was Jesus himself. So he's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and that's what they were asking, who's going to be the greatest? He humbled himself, he lowered himself, he took on him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of man, humbled himself to die the death of the cross. But we humble ourselves as we come to him. In, in, in being born again of the Spirit of God, that's what you do. You humble yourself. You, you give yourself to him. But this isn't a one-time giving. This is a continual giving. Now, as a child, a child is fully dependent upon its parents. You realize that? When you, when you begin to consider a child, a child, till that child begins to grow, especially a baby, a baby is fully dependent upon mom and dad. Right? If mom and dad doesn't feed the baby, if mom and dad doesn't change the baby, or some adult tend to the baby, the baby is going to die. Because that child is independence. As that child grows, it comes to a reality of self-independence. To where it does not have to rely upon mom and dad, but the instructions of mom and dad are important. In our relationship with Christ, as children of God, we are 100% dependent upon the Lord. This is where Christianity is in chaos. Is 
we've taken, we've gotten born again, and we've never been taught of God. We've been taught of man, but your dependency is not on man. Your dependency is to be taught of God. And until you're taught of God, you're going to stay in the place of a child. You're not going to come to maturity until you're taught of God. Those that are led by the Spirit, Paul says, they are sons of God. And there's a difference in the word son and child in your Bible. It's a different word. It has a different meaning. It's dealing with maturity. And God does not birth you as a child to remain a child. He births you to become a son through the knowledge of the son. You do not become an independent son. You never become independent like your natural birth. You become a son through the knowledge of the son. Now, this, this next part isn't in my notes, but in, I believe it's 1 Peter I want. If it's not, it's 2 Peter, but I think it's 1. We'll see here real quick. I believe I want 1 Peter chapter 2. Yep. Wherefore, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Desire what? Sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. This is how you grow. The sincere milk of the Word. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So, so this is how you taste. Taste and see the Lord is good. You taste and see through the sincere milk of the Lord. To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. So Paul, or not Paul here, Peter here, brings right into view, he's talking about the sincere milk of the Word, and he brings right into view the true house of God. Notice this. We that have sat under spiritual teaching have thought this true house of God is the deep Word. But what Peter brings right into view, because he says the sincere milk, the true milk, that that's of God. If you're going to be built up in Christ, you've got to come to that which is of God. You have to. Glory to God. If you don't come to that which is in God, the, the work that God's wanting to do in your life, that you manifest Christ in the earth, just isn't being done. Not that God can't do it, but your participation in it is that you come to the sincere milk, the true milk of the Word, and you abide there, you stay there, till God begins to teach you. Till you begin to be taught of God. That, that's got to become the desire of Christians. Because Paul dealt with the church in, in, in another letter, and he, said, said, and he spoke of children being tossed about with winds of doctrines. And, and right now you have chaos in the earth, so what are Christians being done? What's being done to Christians right now? They're being tossed about with winds of doctrines, with ideas of men that may not be after the Lord at all. I said this last week, and I want to say it. There's some other people here. 
Apostle Paul's day, there were people being fed to lions. There, were, there was, I guess, the greatest tribulation the earth have ever known. I think that's probably the great tribulation. If you go back in history and read about what happened to the early Christian church, you may can find it. And yet, Christians, for one, they don't know what happened, for one. Or it goes right over their heads. Or, but secondly, in Paul's letters, he almost said nothing about it. Have you ever considered that? That, that during the time Paul's writing his epistles... Christians are being crucified, fed to lions, burnt, sawed into. It speaks of it in the book of Hebrews a little bit. But if you take the history books, you'll find this was a very, very distressful time upon the earth. Unlike any time for the Christian church there's ever been. was during Paul's time. But his letters, he wasn't preaching that. In fact, in, in many, if not most of Paul's letters, he was locked in a Roman prison. And he wasn't preaching that either. Instead, he was preaching Jesus Christ. He said, I would know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So in the midst of all the chaos, he wasn't preaching the chaos. Now what I hear a lot of people doing today is they're preaching the chaos. I do. I hear a lot of people, you turn it on and they're preaching the chaos. Oh, look at all this chaos in the world. Paul never said, look at all the chaos in the world. Jesus never said. He said, in the world you'll find tribulation, but get me a good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, so our minds, and the Apostle Paul said, set your affection on things above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. So if we set our heart upon the chaos in the world, our heart's going to be filled with chaos. Simple as that. If I set my heart upon the knowledge of the Lord in the midst of the chaos, I might be an answer to the chaos. <laughs> Do you ever consider that? The church may be the answer to the chaos. Instead of the church wanting to get out of the world, the church may be the world's answer. The, the church may have misunderstood some things. Paul wrote in one place that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known by the church. That's in the book of Ephesians. So there's a purpose in the church besides having meetings. The church gathers in meetings. And, and, and now I, I was like looking for the segue to where I wanted to go. And here's where I want to go. To flip over to Ephesians 1. And I want you to go backwards with, and read Ephesians 1, 15 down through the end. But for time's sake, I'm probably just going to read the end because I've already been almost 30 minutes. And I feel like I just started talking to you. So hold on to your saddle. Ephesians 1. That was supposed to be funny. Anyway, Ephesians 1 speaks of, uh, I, I, it's hard for me not to go backwards. Uh, verse 16, cease not to give thanks for you. Make him mention you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul's cry was that Christ would be revealed. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of what? His, His mighty power, when he, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And have put all things under His feet. How much did He say He put under His feet? All things. 
I hear a lot of people in the church saying he's still got to put death under his feet. According to Paul, right here, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So who's the head of the church? He is. And what is the church according to this scripture? Which is his body. What does a body do? A body expresses the head. You get this in the natural. Your body expresses your mind, your head, your thought. Does it not? It doesn't go out and do... If it does, something's wrong with it, right? But in, in, in the way it works is, is the body is the expression of the head. The church which is His body, the fullness. Remember what we read in John of His fullness. Have we received grace for grace? The fullness of Him that fills all in all. Here's the definition of the church. Church is not defined as meetings. Church is not defined as the building on the street or in Culpeper or in Rockingham or wherever you may go. That's not the church. The church may meet in a building. The church may meet in a garage. The church may meet in the yard. The church may meet on Zoom. The church may meet in multiple ways. The church may meet and the church should meet. And I absolutely believe the church should gather live. So let me, let me be frank with you. The church gathers to be edified in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because, because then in, in the book of Ephesians 4, and we'll flip there in a moment, He gave gifts unto the church, unto the body, to build the church up. Flip there, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now what measure did John talk about in John 1? Of his fullness. So full measure. Okay. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same that also ascended up far above all heavens. He didn't just go into heaven says He ascended above all heavens. So ever what your concept of heaven is, Jesus ascended above it. And why did He do that? That He might feel all things. So He ascended on for a purpose of feeling all things. He descended for that purpose. That's why He came. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so He descended for the same purpose. In order that He might be the one that feels all things. Feels your mind. Your heart. See, see the problem is your mind, folks. He needs to feel you. Apostle Paul really said you didn't have a problem with the mind. He said you have the mind of Christ. But most of us don't understand that. We have no concept that now Christ's mind, His thought, His will, His function is in us. We don't even realize that. The church which is His body. That, that would make sense if I understood what the church was, was His body, that the mind of the Lord would be in His own body. That would make perfect sense if I understood the church was not the building I go or even the meeting I attend. 
And again, the church meets and gathers, but it is not defined as the meeting. It is defined as His heavenly body. And the church is the physical expression of what's in the Spirit, folks. It is these people that are sitting in the earth expressing Christ into the earth. That's what the church is. And most or many Christians, I have to bite my tongue, many Christians do not know that God wants them to express Christ. Listen to the definition of a lot of Christians, of what they think Christianity is. Living the best I can to someday get home and, and make heaven my home. That's not expressing Christ. He's not after the best you can. Think about this, because this is what Christians believe. God's after the best I can do. No, He's not. If He was, He would have left the law in place. Because the law put a group of rules in place and said, here, do these rules. And, and He could have modified the law and said, okay, I know you're going to break some of them, because no man can keep them. But do the best you can. He never said that. Jesus come and said, I have come for my purpose. That you might have life. And have it abundantly. Now, just like we have to define the church, we have to define the life. He says in another place, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. So anything that I call the life that's not Him, guess what? I've got the wrong definition. And I've labeled it wrong. And see, many, many people have called abundant life uh, living the good life in the earth. It's not what Paul called it. Paul says, it's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Paul called the life Christ living in him. That's what he called life. So, so we have to come to a whole new definition of everything. And it has to be defined of God. It has to be taught of God. Brother, uh, Sister Faye helped me. Brother Arville Holmes years ago. Not, was it Arville or his brother? Uh, Brother Holmes, nonetheless, I knew him in my early days of, of ministering. He wrote a bunch of writings at that time around God's dictionary. You have man's dictionary. And then you have God's dictionary. You have what man thinks of a word. And when I read Abundant Life, I can conjure up all kinds of images about what I think abundant life is, but God has another thought toward that life, and that life is defined in the person of Jesus Christ. If it's not defined in the person of Jesus Christ, He's the definition of everything, folks. Do we get a hold of that, that everything in this Bible is defined of Him, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. The whole thing. Search the scripture. In them you think you have life. These testify of me. And you would not come to me that you might have life. So the definition has to come to him. He's who defines the word. That's why he's called the word. He's the word, the mind, the thought, the purpose of God. That's, that's who Jesus is. He's God's purpose in humanity. In the creation. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And he, how did He do it? By the Word. Go back and read it. God said, let there be light. And there was light. It came out of the Word. And see, the Word there had in it the expression of the true light. So natural light came out of light. Do you hear this? There's the light and there's natural light. 
When Jesus come on the scene, what did He say of Himself? I am the light of the world. I am the light. I'm not a light. I'm not a group of lights. I am the light. I am the fulfillment of light. Everything that had been light before only spoke of me is what he's saying. I'm light. And unless you walk in my light, you are not walking in the light of God. You may be walking in sunlight. And God made sunlight, but the light of the knowledge of the glory of God must shine, Paul says, in your heart. Glory to God. And that's what He's after, is to shine His light in you that you might see and know by Him. That then by seeing and knowing by Him, you walk in the knowledge of the Son of God in the earth. Man, I'm telling you, this salvation is way beyond what I ever considered when I started. It's exceedingly better than what I ever thought it was. Exceeded my expectations. That's what God does. He exceeds. If you allow Him, He will exceed your very thoughts. Because His thoughts will be made known in you. So you go into the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, and I've hardly got through anything that I had in my notes. If I went through what I expected to go through, we'd be here another hour. But I won't do that this morning. If you go back into Isaiah, God says in one place in Isaiah, He said, My thoughts are not thy thoughts, and my ways are not thy ways. And He said, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher, I believe the way says are higher than the earth. Well, Christians run around and say that. Let's, let's just think for a moment. Christians run around and they quote that scripture. Well, God said, My thoughts... His thoughts are not my thoughts. He said that. I agree. He said that. But something happened. From Isaiah to where we are today, what happened? Jesus came, died, was buried, and raised from the dead, and the Holy Ghost came back on the day of Pentecost, and the Spirit of God filled our hearts. Now, God's thoughts are to be your thoughts. Because the solution was God's Spirit in you. And read over 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, in verse 6, Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the prince of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. As it is written, where was it written at? In the Old Covenant. This was written that the things that God had prepared for you were not, had not entered into the heart of man. Now watch what he says next. But God. Everybody read it. This is the King James Version, so if you believe that's the only version of the Bible, then, then I'm reading out of it, so it says this. But God has, hath, Old English, hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. So the things that I hadn't seen, that ear hadn't heard, that had not entered into the heart of man, the things which God had prepared for them that love Him. Now, stop here for a minute. What did Jesus say about preparing? Jesus says something about preparing in John 14. I go to prepare. A place for you. That where I am, there, same place I am, 
you may be also. So here's what God had prepared. I go to prepare a place. I can read that verse of scripture by itself. And then I can conjure up in my own mind what it means. Alright? And this is a problem. Or I can allow the Spirit of God to teach me. In John 14.10, Jesus told you where he was that you were not. He says, I am in the Father. John 14.10, I believe it is. You can read it. He says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And he not only says that, he says to believe it. <laughs> he tells them, you believe, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. And so he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He says, I'm going away. The world's not going to see me no more, but you will. And he speaks of the Spirit coming. He says, at that day when the Spirit has come, you will know. I am in the Father. Same thing he said in John 14, but something else changes, glory to God. I am in the Father. You are in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, I am in the Father. That's what he told him in John 14, 10. If you don't believe me, turn there. Because I'm just bearing down on it, so just turn there in your Bible. John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 10. Believest now thou not, I'm so excited, that I am in the Father? And the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sakes. Now he said up above, verse 3, And I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. Now here's what the natural mind does with that. Jesus is coming to get me. And take me to the place where he is. Well, verse 10, he tells you the place he is. I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. See, the concept in most Christianity with the Father and the Son is God the Father was sitting up in the, behind the clouds in the Milky Way somewhere and God the Son was down here on earth doing all these works. But ain't what Jesus said. So the problem with what we believe is not, it's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Father in me doeth the works. He said, he that sent me is with me. That's what he said. Don't think he was wrong. I think we are. Okay? I think that's the issue is not that Jesus had it was mixed up. I think the problem is we are mixed up. Now verse 20, he says... Well, verse 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. You have to go back to verse 16. I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide for you, with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me. Because I live, you shall live also at that day. Ye shall know, what? I am in my Father. Where are you at? Everybody read this out loud. You are ye in me. And I in you. You were not in that place, folks. In your natural birth. That was the place he was going to prepare. And where he was going to was the cross. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, he brought you into himself. And he brought himself into you. So you are in Him 
and he is in you. That's the same thing that eye hadn't seen, ear hadn't heard, never entered into the heart of man the things that God had prepared for them. That never entered into man's heart that God was preparing a place that the living God was going to dwell in them. That's what hadn't entered into their heart. That is the place Jesus prepared. And you can choose to live in this place right now while you're walking in the earth. You can live in a relationship with Him where He's in you and you're in Him. Or you can choose to say, I don't believe that. And if you choose to say, I don't believe that, the truth is, you won't walk in the reality of that relationship because we come into a place called faith. We possess what Christ did by faith. We're born again because we believe Him. We receive His Word into our heart. That's how we grow is we're continually feeding on His Word, we're continually receiving His Word, and that's how we grow as Christians. If I don't continually feed on His Word, and I don't allow the Word of God to teach me, then I stop right where I'm at. And I see, dear hearts, the reason I get so passionate about this, is I see dear hearts struggling and they don't have to. Because there's the life of God in them. And the life of God is with you all the time. Not even when you mess up. Even when you get mad. Even when you are a disappointment to yourself. He's still in you. And He's bringing to your heart the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because the revelation of Jesus Christ is your life. It's my life. We all that have received Him share the same life. We all have one life. And that life is Christ. Well, I'll stop for this morning.